War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. It's Saturday, 4, December, 4 September, the year of our 2021. You're in the War Room. We have a very special hour uh, ahead for you. We've got uh, both Dr. Peter Navarro, who is uh, back off vacation. Um, Vacation. <laughs> hey, the War Room Posse been all over me for the month of yeah. Vacation. Peter is one of those tenured professors. It's it's, it's the he's uh, one of those tenured professors. That does take all, it takes August off it's, every it's, year. It's taking August off, writing, finishing. Okay, with the, the finishing the, the in Trump time, the insider's account, wow. definitive insider's wow. account of wow. the last year of the Trump administration and a journal of America's plague. So uh, no vacation there. Mr. Bannon. So your magnum opus. This is you were. So you really weren't on vacation. I no, I'm working 24/7 on this, and I think it's, it's going to be the most. Certainly the most important book I've ever written, and I, I think it's going to be uh, the most important book of the Trump administration. Wow. Um, and we'll get into more of that later. In fact, the reason. I'm teasing you. I've known you out working. You were actually working 18 uh, hours no, a day. Note to chat room. Yeah. Have you ever seen Bannon tease anyone? Use that word tease. <laughs> I mean, pummel, <laughs> whip, <laughs> beat down, <laughs> tease. Oh, you're the kinder and gentler Bannon. The longer his beard grows, the more he gets like Yoda. <laughs> we want him sullen, not mutinous. So like, uh, but the reason you're working on that, and the subtitle of the book is uh, my journal, I think my journal of the plague year. I wanted to bring in, uh, and we were able to get the uh, some time for Dr. Robert Malone, because this week's a very disturbing week, and it's going to only pick up in intensity yeah. as uh, and the two things has made it more intense, or going to make it more intense. Uh, and we said August 15th, when the schools start coming back, not just with the mask and not just with critical race theory, but most importantly, vaccinations of America's youth. And uh, Tony Fauci, good old uh, Tony Fauci, this week said, uh, FDA approval, I think it was yesterday, FDA approval uh, for, uh, he's predicting FDA approval for vaccines for 12 and under will come in, he said, a matter of weeks. Also, Alex Berenson, the former New York Times reporter, banned from Twitter in perpetuity for essentially retweeting, I think, facts that you and Dr. Malone use a lot in, in making your arguments about vaccination. I want to bring in Dr. Robert Malone, who has spent his career, his life, his professional life, his professional life in um, uh, doing uh, uh, in vaccinations. He's not an anti-vaxxer. Dr. Malone, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for being for allowing me to be here. Okay, Peter, you've got you've got a lot to say about this. I want you to set I want you to set the stage for what this hour is going to be. I know you haven't been on the show in a while. This has been eating at you as you've been finishing your book. This is one of the most important issues. And here's the reason: you were actually with President Trump were there at the beginning and probably initiated this as much as anybody. Well, and here's what's important about having Dr. Malone and I on discussing this particular issue. Dr. Malone literally invented the technology that is used with these uh, mRNA technologies to produce the vaccines. Um, did that, he did that back in 88 at the Salk Institute. So he's got street cred, anything but an anti-vaxxer, anything but. And I, in, as a document in the new book, um, in February 2020, played a critical role in jump-starting what, what would become Operation Warp Speed that gave us the vaccines. But let me let me lay out the chessboard here because the reason why, as, as I was like finishing what I think is the book of my life, 
I took the time out to work with Dr. Malone on this vaccine issue is that there, there are literally millions and millions of lives at stake over a basically uh, a, a decision uh, about how you conduct public policy with respect to the vaccination choice. And the Biden administration has option one. Option one is universal vaccinations. Everybody gets vaccinated um, under the threat, basically, of, of cultural, social, and economic exclusion. You don't get vaccinated. You become an other. You become canceled. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's really punishing coercion. And you can see this, like, in the NFL, where um, uh, Cam Newton gets cut by the Patriots because he's not willing to take a vaccine, which likely, with his particular choice, would be a bad decision, okay? So you have that option, universal vaccination versus um, the, the Malone-Navarro option, let's call it, which is vaccinate only the most vulnerable and at the same time flood the zone with um, easily attained therapeutics like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and a whole bunch of others um, that, that allow people who are at low risk from serious complications from the virus to be able to treat that and thereby, thereby develop much more diverse and powerful antibodies than the vaccine itself would. So that's, that's, the, that's the choice. And I'm going to let Dr. Malone speak about that. Before I do that, I want to just lay out how we got here. Okay? We, we must never forget that the Chinese Communist Party and Anthony Fauci are responsible for the creation of this virus. And you go back in September and October of 2019 to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And we know now with near certainty that the virus uh, either escaped from the Wuhan Institute of Virology or was intentionally released. And then you go back even further. And the, the key players here, there's four key players. There's Tony Fauci, there's Peter Daszak of this thing called the EcoHealth Alliance. There's a guy named Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And there's the so-called bat lady, Shi Jen Li, who um, is a scientist and also uh, a, a military officer in the People's Liberation Army who works in the bioweapons lab program at the Wuhan Institute of, of Virology. So, so what we have is a situation where going back to 2017, Fauci went behind the back of the Trump administration to undo essentially the ban on these things called gain-of-function experiments, where gain-of-function experiments allow you to take, for example, a bat virus that Xi Jinping might collect and make it more deadly in a way that would allow it to transmit to humans and also maybe mutate more rapidly, be impervious to heat and humidity, basically weaponize that. So 2017, Fauci's basically getting the gain-of-function experiment green light to Xi Li at the Wuhan lab. Daszak and Barrick are kind of the Americans who get the grant money, who help with the experimentation. Barrick, uh, in particular, has, has a high level of expertise. And, and they basically, in all probability, genetically engineered um, a virus um, which 
transmitted to humans and now is deadly. Then here's that's next important. September, October of 2020, November, December, the Chinese hide the virus from the world, even as they're and shutting Wuhan down and their country down, even as they're sending this virus all around the world to seed and spread. And so the point is that, that the Chinese Communist Party had a chance to contain the virus. They did not. So now what the world is stuck with um, is a virus that, that is mutating rapidly in, in, many, in ways that are unforeseen. Um, and, and to President Trump's credit and the Trump administration, we were able to develop a vaccine in a third of the time it normally takes. Uh, but like most vaccines, it's an imperfect vessel. It's, and Dr. Malone will wax eloquent on this, it's both leaky, meaning that it, it doesn't um, provide complete protection to people, and it's non-durable, meaning that you're going to be asked every four to six months to get another shot of it, right? And so what we have is a, is a world in which I can say with near certainty that this virus will never be eradicated and wiped off the face of the earth like smallpox or polio, um, but instead it'll follow more the model of the common cold and influenza uh, where, where we're going to have to face it every year and that everybody at some time in their life is going to get COVID. So then the question becomes, <coughs> what's the best strategy? And what we lay out in the Washington Times article today this no this is actually came out on wednesday yeah that's right excuse me um we uh, the, <laughs> the we, we authored a um, article in the washington times up online last wednesday in print on thursday and the argument uh basically is and again i'll let dr malone wax wax eloquent on this uh is that the the universal vaccination policy uh, without proper regard for therapeutics will wind up harming um, many, many, many more people than the policy we suggest, which is targeted vax with heavy therapeutics. And so um, this, is, this, is the, this is the policy node we're at. And you know, the other problem we're facing, of course, is that every time we try to speak this truth to power, we get shut down. So let me let me toss now to Dr. Malone. We got about uh, three minutes in this segment, Doc. But when we come back, you'll you'll still have the floor. So um, it's all yours, sir. So Peter, uh, there's so many things in what you just said. I'd like to address. Uh, for instance, in your timeline, you missed the Chinese New Year delay in uh, shutting down Wuhan, uh, during which time uh, those people that were infected spread all over the world, including here to the United States, they traveled. Uh, our, our strategy is really based on personalized medicine, modern concepts. It has four components to it. The first one is save the vaccines for the people that need it most, the people that are at highest risk. Almost all the death and disease occurs in a very small cohort. Everybody else's risk is like 99.99 fill in the blank percent probability of recovery. Second point, uh, make repurposed drugs and new drugs when they become available and the monoclonal antibody cocktails available as early as possible for people to be treated. Treat early and treat rigorously. Number three, make available rapid test capabilities that are home-based. They have them in Australia, why don't we have them here? 
And number four, make available uh, online and uh, uh, on your cell phone tools to allow you to make your own assessment of risk so that you have a chance to see whether or not you believe you're in those very high risk groups and elect to make an informed decision about whether to accept vaccine or not. Now, this is aligned with the reality that the majority of the world has access to no vaccines. So WHO is strongly recommending that we have much better distribution of vaccine because, as I mentioned, all the risk is in this small cohort of elders, morbidly obese, immunodeficient, and very high-risk individuals. You've been subjected to a lot of fear-mongering about your personal risk unless you're in one of those cohorts. I've had COVID. I just got my pulmonary function test back, and I am uh, clear, good to go. Uh, and I had it very early in February of 2020, uh, and I had it hard. I thought I was going to have major lung damage. Nope, I'm clear. And I'm uh, 61. So I'm a, I'm a case study. This, we really don't have to fear this in the same way that we're being told. And we can cover this with existing agents if we treat early. Doc, uh, when we come back, uh, what, what we want to do then is talk about how a universal vax policy can actually uh, create superbugs and, and more difficulties in terms uh, of mutations. But I want to say, for the record, you don't look a, a day over the age of 60. <laughs> You're too kind. Wow. That's that that right. He's back. He's back off the beach. <laughs> Come on, he set me up there. Come on. Short commercial break. We'll be back in the warm in a moment. Okay, it's Labor Day weekend. It is the end of the summer, the traditional end of the summer in the United States. Make sure you do your end of the summer shopping. Go to MyPillow.com today. Take action. Promo code WARROOM. You've got the sheets on sale. You've got the toppers on sale. The slippers are on sale. Pillows are on sale. Across the board sales. These are not going to last forever. These are end of summer sales. Make sure you go up to 50% off on sheets and toppers. Uh, so make sure you go there today. MyPillow.com. Promo code WARROOM. Support the f apparatus fighting for freedom. I want to go back. Okay, before we get down to, because the great thing about you two guys, we get into the receipts into the details but i just want to pull the camera back for a second here's what i understand the surgeon general comes out a couple of weeks ago and says the biggest pro health problem we have in the united states right now is misinformation right and and this epidemic of misinformation you guys keep every time you're coming up you're citing studies you're citing peer review you're doing all this but the, the thing i ask you you're you're actually arguing for using the vaccines in certain areas for for the elderly for the uh, morbidly co uh, obese for other uh, you know if you have diabetes or certain areas like that and there are a part of our audience that is just adamant they don't want the vaccine because they think the vaccine is going to kill them or they think the vaccine is just uh, something terrible you guys aren't arguing that yet you're being shut down all the time for what they say is misinformation so walk me through that what you guys support the use of vac vaccines in certain Areas, Dr. Mo, Dr. Navarro, you're not saying that it's university because there is a portion of our audience, and we remember the time we had the the, the dirty dozen after the the the, uh, the um, Surgeon General came out. 
and we had Bobby Ke Robert Kennedy Jr. We had others, and these guys are just adamant. Hey, the, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't do this. Most of our audience is vaccine hesitant. I think there is a portion that is anti-vax, but you guys aren't anti-vax, and particularly even in this vaccine. Dr. Malone, you first, then Dr. Navarro. What I've argued from the start is that we should use the standard CDC policy of analysis of risk-benefit ratio by cohort. They refuse to do this. They refuse to provide those analyses. But it's become increasingly clear the risk-benefit ratio favors vaccination currently in the elderly and in certain high-risk groups. It does not favor vaccination, even though the ACIP is determined otherwise this week. If you, if you rigorously look at the risk-benefit ratio, it does not favor vaccination of, of youth and adolescents. The justification seems to be that by vaccinating everybody, we'll get to herd immunity and provide protection to the entire uh, United States. But it's a false assumption. It's one of these noble lies. The, the idea that if we vaccinate everybody, we can get to herd immunity is now patently false. So then what does make hey, sense? Hang on, Doc. Doc, we, we need to kind of explain to the audience why that's so. And, and the reason has to do with the leakiness itself of the vaccine, where leaky is defined as a vaccine which does, does not provide 100% protection. And uh, so you, you get the vaccine, um, you can still get the virus, right? So how do you get to hear me there? And plus, you, any immunities you develop with the virus wear off um, in four to six months, so you continually have to get repeated booster shots. Let, let, me, uh, let me try. So here's one of the prongs that Dr. Malone laid out initially, the four prongs of this whole thing, was one of them was, okay, let's get an app that's on your, that's on your uh, phone device or on your computer. You sit down there and you type in your age, you type in your, your height, your weight, uh, some of your medical history with respect to things like, like lungs, that'll measure your kind of levels of comorbidity. And what, once you do that, uh, you can imagine like a score of zero to 100, it'll spit back a certain number, let's say 50, and, and you shouldn't get vaccinated unless your number's above a certain number, like 70 or 80, right? And the reason why, yeah, go ahead. the reason why, yep. Steve, is that, is that if, if you do not have a high enough risk factor, okay, and for protection from the vaccine, your risk from the vaccine itself is going to be higher. Right. Okay. Let me tell and you, that's where your vaccine hesitant people. Well, but hang on. Because most of your listeners are probably not going to have a score that justifies vaccination. Right. It's it's the seniors and it's those with comorbidities. It may be children if they have leukemia, but but kids themselves. It's it's just it's put, it's not child abuse. Put, it's child murder. Put a put a pin in that for yeah. for because I'm gonna come back to this. But I, I just want to pull the camera back once again. Because I'm talking to the guy that's the creator of the messenger RNA, the technical part that actually makes everything else work, right? The, that would the be Dr. Malone. That's yes. Dr. Malone. Correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of people are just hesitant about this because of the mere construct of the messenger RNA and actually how it works. And they're uncomfortable with 
under just the way this thing is not a traditional vaccine, but kind of comes in the way it actually works. That's number one. Number two, isn't it true that when you guys initially created this, you knew it was going to be leaky just by the way of the construction of it and, and how you're doing not, it? Not by construction. Well, just, that couldn't have been a, now, that now, been a, look, that have been now, a big I'll, reveal. I'll, I'll, let's, okay. Let me give you what we're thinking okay. in February, okay? Because well, I, I wrote Feb- memos about I'm not this. Saying Feb- I wrote, I'm, I'm saying later when they actually got to the what the Well, but, but at the outset, okay. if you're going to pursue a vaccine, okay? Don't give away anything the holy, in the book. I no, want no, people no, to no, buy But it. The, holy, <laughs> the holy grail is, is something like a polio or smallpox vaccine where you That's can. That's Trump was saying. Okay, okay. But the odds of hitting that. Are, are 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 pretty low, right? But what what you more likely will be able to do is to get a vaccine like we have gotten, which is to say, it's not a hundred percent effective. It's less than that. I mean, you have to remember when the when they did the EUA, the emergency use authorization, to justify this, they only said if it was fifty percent effective. That that was their bar. Okay, that would have been good enough. Okay, so all you were trying to do with the vaccine was kind of slow down and save some lives and things like but, that. But but, yeah. but Dr. Malone, what about just the mere technology you worked on the messenger RNA? A lot of people are, are hesitant and even anti for the simple fact they just don't want to be this kind of experimental. Essentially, gene therapy is what they call it. What what, what How do you answer that? It is gene therapy uh, applied to vaccines. They have, there's, uh, I think that their logic is, I respect their point of view. They have a right to be wary about a new technology that's not well understood. And the very components haven't been completely characterized. They were not characterized well, and we're still learning. That's why we have the uh, teratogenicity, the birth defect study that's mandated by the FDA. You, you spoke about polio and smallpox. Those are excellent choices. And both of those vaccines were live attenuated, as is yellow fever. So live attenuated vaccines basically express all the proteins, uh, for the most part, of the virus. Yes. Now, that relates directly to the new data that we've just learned that uh, natural immunity is about 20 times more protective than the vaccine is for the infection. Yes. So so that that's a case study illustrating your point. What we what was done in haste. I'm sorry, Peter, I apologize, but I'm going to I've I've spoken to the colonel who is standing up that Moderna program. uh, And and he's a little embarrassed by some of the things that went on. There was a lot of haste there and there was a quick decision in the vaccine research center and all the other vaccine developers to basically recapitulate what they'd done with prior efforts with SARS-1, which is just to focus on spike and particularly use the mutated spike that has a two amino acid substitution to lock it into the open confirmation. And they thought that was good enough and they ran with it. Now we got to live with the consequences. Number one, I'm sorry, Reuters and all the ankle biting fact checkers, but spike is a toxin. Whether or not this mutated spike is, uh, prove to me that it isn't. But the wild type is. Number two, um, this it is clear that the virus is rapidly escaping the protection generated by this single spike protein that's been slightly mutated in these vaccines. Yeah. Number so, so as you would you expect. Know, it, precisely as has been 
uh, predicted from the outset by experienced vaccinologists and immunologists. And we have now have some very elegant papers out that we cited, we referenced in our, our recent op-ed, one from Michael Diamond's lab uh, at uh, WashU that very elegantly shows that we're driving to some very common uh, conserved uh, uh, antibody responses that are very similar across all people that receive this same vaccine. So what that does is it makes it, if you were to deploy this vaccine to everybody as the government wishes to do here in the States, what you're gonna do is give the virus a very specific target and all it's gotta do is mutate to escape that target. Now, the, just to say it so the ankle biters don't get me on this one, the virus mutates. It turns out this virus is mutating at faster rate than we expected. That's another manuscript I can cite, come out recently, but it's, it mutates and then the selective pressure of the vaccine selects for viruses that are able to avoid that immunosurveillance, those antibodies and those T cells. So that's what's happening. Yeah. We now have ample evidence that that's what's happening. We're just, watching it just, in real time. Okay. We're, we're going to come back to this exact point. Are we creating a potential for the yeah. superbug, which WHO is worrying about? We're going to be back in the war room. Dr. Malone, Dr. Navarro in a moment. With Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. MyPillow.com. Promo code War Room. It's the end of the summer. It's Labor Day weekend. Action, action, action. Sheets, pillows, toppers, slippers across the board, okay? Huge discounts. 50% off on a lot, up to 66% on some. Go there today. You got to put in promo code WARUM, Dr. Navarro. Yeah, uh, just want to clear up some what Doc Malone said about uh, what we did early on. Um, we weren't focused on Moderna and our, on mRNA. Uh, the memo I wrote in, in February um, had six uh, different approaches to it, and our our whole strategy was to uh, let let those approaches blossom and see which one basically a thousand work. flowers bloom. yeah so um, what happened down the line i think um, it would be more apt to point the finger at the fda uh and big pharma but anyway doc, back yeah, to you uh, doc, hang on but I, really I, important but, stuff but, here yeah I, I gotta get i want to get to malone's thing but i gotta answer this way you've got fauci the other day and we said this day was coming because he tipped his hand fauci said in the middle of, of this past week we're a couple of weeks away from FDA approval for children, for kids 12 and under, okay? And they've seen the power of getting to the FDA it, approval. It'll probably be an EUA, not approval. Okay. So he, but but they, that's a big difference. Huge, but they've seen, the, they've seen the power of getting, quote, unquote, the FDA approval for the mandates 
so far. So even an EUA gets them some sort of legitimacy and hammer, okay? Pressure and politicalization exactly. of the FDA, no question exactly. about it. And that's why Fauci, Bob, the puppet, and by the way, master. a couple of FDA senior people resigned in re protest, resigned, as they should. Resigned okay. in protest. And that, more the media is not covering Blood that. on Dr. Fauci's hands. The media is okay. not covering that. Child at, abuse, child murder. At the same time, a group that hasn't exactly been thrown in hard on this but our favorite guys over at WHO raised the, raised the flag of, hey, we have a potential of the way it's distributed. And we have the potential of having a superbug. Yes. And they're talking about, well, I don't know, a variant woo or whatever they're talking about now. So, Dr. Malone, wh where do we stand? We're going on two paths. Here in the United States, we're trying to get more approval to, date, to, to forget about herd immunity of having it, which you have 20 times more antibodies. They're going on. They're tripling down on the universal vax now to get EAU for the kids. I mean, they're blowing by the Navarro-Malone theory of targeted. At the same time, the WHO is saying the exact opposite, saying, hey, you guys are right now potentially creating the opportunity. Universal vaccination for, creating. For a superbug, which yeah. could take this, make this virus 100 times worse than it is today. Dr. Malone. So uh, I... I think that our strategy is very aligned with the WHO position. And by the way, we're getting a lot of pushback. You're just not hearing it in the media from the rest of the world. The rest of the world is looking at this strategy that we're rolling out. And basically, it looks like we're hogging all the resources for no good reason at all. Because the risk of death and disease in everybody but those that at very high risk, the elderly, immunocompromised, morbidly obese, is the, the probability of recovery from an infection is 99.99 fill in the blank, and it's often nine or eight. So the, the risk here is really quite low. You've just been uh, pushed to think that your risk is much higher than it is. In the rest of the world, they don't have access to any vaccine for most countries, except for the Western nations. And what WHO is saying, hey, this should be reserved for those that need it most. It should not be universally deployed because it's going to generate mutants that are going to sweep the world. It's not ethical what we're doing. And by the way, it's just further playing into the hands of the Chinese who are able to point to this and say, look, the Americans only care about themselves. All this talk about them being world leaders and America is back and all that kind of stuff. Look at what they're doing, not what they're saying. That's what I'm hearing. And I'm also hearing from folks in, in Africa and Latin America that for them, these mRNA vaccines make no sense at all because they're only good for five or six months. They don't have the resources to come in and reboost everybody. And they don't have the cold chain in order to even be able to deploy them. So they're looking at this and saying, we don't see the logic of getting in bed with Pfizer and signing their contract. So that's what we're what we're doing is we're not only setting ourselves up for generating uh, escape mutant viruses, as Gert von den Bosch has been warning us now for months and months, and the data is becoming abundantly clear now that that's what's happening. But we're also it's really bad public policy because we look you think we look bad with our relative energy consumption. The rest of the world is looking at us basically like we're pigs at the trough. We're eating all the good stuff, not sharing it, and we're not doing it for any good reason at all. 
Dr. Malone, hang on for one second. You, you, we love nomenclature here, and you've just put out a war room term that I'm sure will explode. Escape mutant virus. Whoa. Ben, his <laughs> next no, film. No, no, exactly. <laughs> Escape mutant virus. What are you talking about? Oh, that's the superbug that you've just referred to. Uh, we all know that if we overuse antibiotics, we end up with antibiotic-resistant bacteria. So the term escape mutants means that they're escaping the immune selection yes. of, the of the vaccines. And mutants uh, refers to the fact that they're genetically variant from the normal virus that happens to be circulating at the time because they have been selected by the vaccine to escape vaccine surveillance. So this is what I understand. How do you have St. Tony Fauci and the apparatus here, and you're getting beaten down every night on MSNBC and CNN, and Berenson's getting banned in perpetuity from, from, from Twitter, and really a rejection of your guys' theory and saying, no, we have one size fit all. It must be universal vaccines for everybody, including now emergency use for the school children. At the same time, the scientific community, not even the scientism community, the scientific community throughout the world is saying, you guys are hurtling us towards a situation where we're going to create a escape mutant virus or a super bug yeah. that's going to overwhelm all the good work that you tried to do. I just don't understand how well, that let, logic works. Let me offer, okay. offer two theories here. One, one is it's simply hubris uh, on the part of the Biden administration and, and the bureaucracy. The, the idea that, uh, of course, uh, we can eradicate this virus because we're Americans and that's what we do, right? But, but the problem is that it's it's so counterfactual at this point that it's laughable it's simply not an attainable goal the 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 second problem though is is the second motive is more problematic and this is this gets to the role of big pharma and pfizer um and tony fauci who who has ties to the vaccine companies and this that and the other thing and i think that the dog that's not barking here is the therapeutics and, and we, we we need to spend a, a good bit of time talking about the therapeutics, because I remember when I was in the White House, um, there was a, a tremendous resistance, and I had Stephen Hahn sitting right in my office. I had Mark Short sitting right in my office. I was trying to get, for example, uh, an antibodies test, okay, that could say whether you developed immunities. I wanted a, a, an easy Got pregnancy type you one mentioned that at home. You mentioned the Fauci now on TV. He goes nuts. He says you he can't do it. You can't do yeah, it. And, you can't just... and, and at the time, Steve, I, I, it just puzzled me. It just, Burks was against it, too. It just puzzled me. What, what is wrong with these people? This, this is the thing that you want to know. People, if, you, if you're trying to manage a business, right, you want to be able to know if your workers have antibodies or not, right? If they have antibodies, you, you can let Come them to work. roam free. Come to if work. they don't have antibodies, you put them in squads with other people not without antibodies. You, they can still work, but they can be segregated. Right? It, it puzzled me. So you put that, and then the, the second prong of, of, the, of the Pfizer, Fauci, uh, escape mutant kind of craziness was this war on therapeutics, right? The war on hydroxychloroquine was just insane because we now know unequivocally that that works. So, so, so when you ask the question, why, what is driving this whole narrative and policy, um, it could, I mean, it could boil down simply to the bottom line, literally the bottom line of companies like yep. Pfizer and Moderna and J&J. &J. And, and Doc Malone, I mean, he got attacked, right? He gets attacked by the Robert Wood Foundation, um, and it turns out that, that, that 
that that foundation is basically funded by J and J stock. That Doc, why don't you chime in here and and uh, see what your thoughts are on all of this? Yeah, it's it's the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and uh, Facebook and the Zuckerberg Chan Initiative that are that funded the attack article in Atlantic uh, Monthly that most people find laughable. Um, uh, Steve, to your point. Pfizer, it's it's not very circulated, but there's actually a Pfizer statement to their shareholders that they think they're going to have to come out with another vaccine in about six months, that the current vaccine is is going to be obsolete and overwhelmed by escape mutants. So so we're yeah. we're we're beating the that's the why booster. Here. That's why the booster thing is a misnomer, right? The, the booster it's not thing a booster. Is, they're going to come up with another one. Well, but in theory, what the uh, president of the United States has authorized purchase of is a large number of doses of the existing vaccine for the third jab. And that's that's what publicly has been said about the resignations from the FDA was the objection over just rushing into the third jab without having any science behind it, which is what the CDC director acknowledged was the case about two weeks ago. So I, I agree we're, we're in some kind of a, a land, an intellectual space where whatever Tony says goes, we hear that again and again. If you're within the HHS, particularly within the NIH, you, you're not allowed to speak. Only Tony's allowed to speak. So what's, what's going on in Dr. Fauci's head? I don't know. I can't get there. I can only say what are the data and what are what are we observing? And now, now that there is starting to be a little bit of a counter narrative accepted, there's more and more openness and acknowledgement. You know, that it came out in in one of the top vaccinologists in the UK about four weeks ago, acknowledging that we can't vaccinate our way out of this. It's it, there's little cracks in the wall, but. We're not allowed to talk about it. And, and as you say, anybody who does get censored, Alex was a great example. He basically just spoke the truth about the leaky vaccines and the recent data from uh, Israel. And, uh, you know, these are, these are truths that are published in journals like Science Magazine. Uh, this is not obscure, non-peer-reviewed information. This is solid, large studies. Uh, natural infection and after recovery, the natural immunity is far more protective, far more broad, and seems to be more durable, long-lasting than the vaccine-induced immunity. Right before that paper came out, there was a number of announcements from NIH and CDC that this was not the case. And then the actual data hit the books, and it was game over on that one. Another example hey, of, doc, of uh, how doc, this plays doc, out is what doc, happened... Doc. Doc, yeah, yeah. Doc, we 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 only got a minute here. Let me take thirty seconds, and we're going to bring that up when you come back on break. I want to say this: this this releasing Cam Newton and other NFL football players who refuse to get vaccinated. Clearly, the NFL is putting money and profits ahead of the health and welfare of those athletes. They, if those athletes got COVID. And, and got over it, they'd have much stronger antibodies than the vaccine. Yeah, they might miss a few games, but the hey, NFL, hey, it's about money let's, and let's power. Here's where we're going to we only get one more segment with Dr. Mo, but here's the thing. 
you guys are arguing we got more science and more data on our side than ever, right? Particularly in areas like that. Yeah. But the mandates are clearly winning. You just can't. The loss of a job, and we've seen all the polling. Social the loss media, of, yeah. The loss Cancel of a job. Culture. The loss of a job by the mandates by the employers is the one that's winning. Short break. Dr. Malone, Dr. Navarro back in the war room about vaccines in a moment. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, Dr. Malone, I just want to go to you. We only got a, a, this segment. It's about seven, eight minutes long uh, left. We're going to try to get you back on next week with Dr. Navarro again. But just over this Labor Day weekend for our people to think about, you've got more data and more information supporting your targeted uh, vaccinate, vaccines, right, to the elderly, to uh, morbid uh, obesities and all these other co- comorbidities that are issues. Yet the one-stop fits all is winning, and the reason is is that they've got the companies giving the mandates now, the vaccine mandates. And you can see Cam Newton getting cut by the, uh, by, by the New England Patriots and across the, board, across the board. So where do you think we stand right now, and how – can our audience help you? Is it pushing out information, or whatever, so that we can get ahead of this, the escape mutant virus that potentially could come, the, 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 the mutant, the, the superbug, which is what the WHO is warning about? So I'm doing everything I can. Uh, there's we're, there's going to be an international meeting in Rome next week. Uh, Stephen Hatfield is going to be there. Uh, and participating in that, and we're going to define protocols that can be used across the world for early treatment. In terms of your audience, what I've been trying so hard to do is not tell people what to think or what to believe, but to give them the information and the tools to let them make their own informed decisions. Remember, that's where I started here, was the ethics of this whole thing require informed consent, even if it is a licensed product. You have the right to informed consent for any medical procedure being performed on you. I feel that strongly. It's actually even written into law in, into the Constitution of Australia, just to let you know. It's your body. So what can you do here? Learn the facts. I try to post the papers without too much editorial comment on the Twitter feed, uh, rwmalone, at rwmalonemd and let you make your own choice. Sometimes it's hard to understand the scientese that's there, and, and I try to help folks with that. But what I'm finding is that people that are following the story, they're following the data, they're thinking about it, they're getting more and more sophisticated now. The people that I'm seeing on my Twitter feed are figuring stuff out themselves. I don't have to coach them so much anymore. It's absolutely fantastic. You can understand this. Don't let the folks in white coats tell you that you know, they want to be a priesthood. It's, it's just information, and, and you can figure it out. It's not that hard. The truth is natural infection is providing better immune protection. The truth is these vaccines are leaky. Depending on the study, they protect you from infection at about 40 to 60 percent. Um, yes, they still provide protection, although it's dropping in most recent studies from Israel. They still provide you with very significant protection against death and disease. But if your probability of death and disease is that it's 
it's less than 0.002%, then you've got a hard decision to make. Does it really make sense to take an experimental product that has a spectrum of adverse events that aren't fully characterized? How do we know they're not fully characterized, Robert? You're just saying that. You're a crazy anti-vaxxer. Well, all you got to do is read the FDA authorization letter for BioNTech and look at all the studies that they're still requiring to be performed and how long that's going to take to get all those performed. You know, the, the FDA, you're being told by CDC that it's okay in pregnancy, and yet they have a study ongoing right now that's going to take years to look at birth defects in children. The studies on pregnancy have not been completed. The studies on uh, interruption, uh, they just issued the, the grant for a major study from NIH on whether or not this is disrupting women's menses. That we were talking about disruption of women's menses, what is it, a month ago now, Steve? Okay? Yes, sir. And they just dropped the grant. So, uh, you know, all this talk, oh, it's perfectly safe. Uh, you know, let's get a little honest with the people here. We don't know how safe it is or isn't. Can, can I ask you one, one thing at the end? And I know we get, we're pressed with time this end, end of this hour of the show. Um, if you do, if you look at the, what uh, CDC is saying, the number of people have had the vaccine, the two, two uh, hits of the vaccine, the two jabs, add that to the number of people that have natural immunity by having the disease here in the United States, having the virus. Are not, aren't we at herd immunity, the mathematical number of around 70, 75% that Halfville laid out? If you add in right now, those are vaccinated plus the 30 plus million that have had the disease. Aren't we at what we were told originally is herd immunity, which is six, uh, 70, let, 70, let, me, let me make a layman's comment. I'll let Doc Malone. Yeah, really yeah, we're, yeah, we're probably at herd immunity for the, uh, the virus that originally came. <laughs> But not for the mutations. The same mutations. No, we're, is that, we're would still, that be crazy? So, so the whole herd immunity argument was fallacious. It was based on Tony Fauci pulling a number out of the air, and the documentation on that is pretty yes. good. Okay, um, and Tony just went like he's done in a lot of things, and that assumption for herd immunity at seventy percent uptake requires a vaccine that's much less leaky than this one. It requires a vaccine that's, that's about right. 80 or 90 percent protective against infectious spread. It requires a vaccine that works about as good as natural immunity does. OK, um, <laughs> and we're not there. Because, 20 times, because, right? 20 times. That's yeah, the best stat of the day. Not, natural immunity like is 20 times stronger. Pox, right. Yeah. Um, so we're not there because the vaccine is not very good. Um, and we would be there, and you're right, we have probably about 20 to 30 percent of the population has been infected. That's CDC data and from a variety of different sources. So those are, are presumably most of those recovered. And uh, then we have the, is it 50 or 60 percent uptake now yeah. of new jabs? Uh, yeah. So then we're at something like 80. And yet the CDC, by its own calculations in the leaked slide deck, knows that the best we can do with Delta, even if we were to boost to 100% vaccine uptake, is to slow the thing down because Delta is so infectious. Yeah. How come it's so infectious? Because we've been selecting for more highly infectious variants. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, real quickly, that you summed up perfectly. Give us your, uh, we got about 20 seconds. What's your social media handles? Uh, real so Pinavaro. 
Oh, you know, I apologize, Peter. You. Go, go, no, go. No, Dr. Malone. <laughs> go ahead, Dr. Malone. I, I am on Gab. It's RW Malone MD. I'm mostly on Twitter at RW Malone MD. I'm also on LinkedIn, RW Malone MD. And I got a website called www.rwmalonemd.com. So you don't have to remember. We're going to link to it right now. Right. 